0: Welcome to the Purse Podcast. My name is Jana Hlistover, and we are changing the conversation for women about money and investing. I'm super excited about my guest today, Tina Weeks. Tina is the founder of Serenity Financial Planning. Tina has been a financial advisor since 1996 and specializes in financial life planning. This is a new technique that encourages and inspires clients to identify what is most important to them and what they really want to do in their life she then works with them over the long term to ensure they have enough money to do it and are confident about their financial planning she advises her clients on pensions investments insurance estate planning and every other aspect of their financial planning Tina lives in North London and has two teenage children. She was born in London, but her parents are both Greek and she is fully bilingual. In her spare time, she loves to cook and read personal development books. She keeps fit by doing yoga, running, and walking. Now, in this podcast interview, we talk about why financial planning is so crucial and how women should think about their pension, especially important if going through a divorce, Tina also shares some advice on how to manage your money during the pandemic. A financially challenging time for many as we know. Now I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Tina, welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited about having you on the show. Hi, Jana.
1: Thanks very much for having me. I'm excited too.
0: I'd like to start off by asking you about a pivotal moment or experience that you've had growing up which has had a
1: profound impact on your relationship with money? That is a really good question and if I think about it there have probably been quite a few so I'm going to try and just think about one of them and I probably have to go right back to secondary school age so 11 or 12 and it's funny how, when you, you remember doing this, it, it brings back quite a few memories and emotions around that time of what that whole period meant. But it was just as I started secondary school and I would convinced my dad that I needed a pound a day for school lunches, which was quite a lot then. And the whole point of that really was that was my only access to money. I didn't come from a wealthy family at all. And I had this idea that, if I didn't buy lunch, I could save that money and do things with it. And one of the things I realized really early on is that if I didn't put some money aside for the things that I needed, and obviously when you're 11, the things you need are different. <laughs> the things I needed were you know, just to buy things for school or buy my best friend a present or something like that. You know, they, were, they were childish um, needs. So what I used to do is save my dinner money and under my bed I used to have little envelopes and each envelope I used to write on the front what that money was for and I'd fill it up with the required amounts and keep it until I needed that money. So when it came to needing that money I had it and that gave me such a sense of almost empowerment around money at the time but it also stuck with me. And I think later on, particularly around 2008, when I had hit some financial difficulties personally, you know, remembering that period and then losing that ability to be able to plan for the future made me really realize how much better I felt when I felt like I had a little bit of control about what was happening.
0: Now, what's your view on the global and UK economy right now, on the fact that the stock market and the economy are quite disconnected? We had the IMF last week, I think. They said that the global economy will contract by 4.9%. I think in the UK this year, the economy will um, shrink by 10.2%. But The stock market's doing
1: really well. What, what are your thoughts on it? There definitely is a disconnect. One of the things I truly believe is that we shouldn't worry about the things that we can't control. And we can't control what the economy is going to do. We can't control what the stock markets are going to do. What we can control is our own personal decisions around money. And that's where we really need to put our focus. I think there will be a few, I hesitate to say years, but there will be a period coming where we will struggle economically, but the economy needs to rebuild itself And we've seen in the past, in periods of uncertainty, we just don't know what the stock market will do. Yeah, it seems to be doing all right now, but we just don't know. And there tends to be much bigger fluctuations in what it does when we are in periods of uncertainty. But that's just the nature of the beast. And it's really important not to focus on those ups and downs. And there will be downs, just as there are ups. If we focus on those fluctuations, then all we do is cause ourselves anxiety. And it's so much better for us and our own personal financial situation if we focus on the things that we can control and the things that we can use and do to make a difference.
0: And it's been really interesting to read about some research that E-Trade came out with. I think this is in the US, that there are more women investing in the stock market now, especially around the time that the stock market tanked in March
1: than ever before which is one positive i guess and it's heartening to hear actually that women are investing because we all know that when the stock markets are low that's a really good time to invest it's sale time stocks are priced lower than they were that's the time to fill your boots but there is a big emotional aspect to that and if people can work on that and ensure that they don't let the emotional aspect affect their behavior when we know that investing in markets when they are low is good practice, then that's a really good habit to get into.
0: Now, Tina, you're a financial life planner. Can you explain what you do in a little bit more detail and how
1: what you do differs from just providing financial advice? I've got a bit of a confession to make. You know, my world is money. I am a financial planner. Money plays a big part of that. But I don't really like money very much. (laughs) But I appreciate that it has a value in giving us all choices. And that's the context that I use to bring money into my conversations with my clients. So what a financial life planner does is it helps someone really figure out how they want to live, who they want to be, what sort of things they want to do, what's important to them, who's important to them. And once we really understand that and get a clear vision of that, it's then that we look at the money, look at their resources, so that we can build a plan to make that a reality. And you know that gives us answers to the question, what's the point of everything? Without getting too deep, there is no point in just building up pots of money or trying to build up pots of money with no real idea of what that money's for. If you can really focus on yourself, and how you want to live, then actually money has a bit more meaning and becomes useful to you in a way that is different to just amassing material possessions. There's so much more to life than that. And if we manage it properly, money gives us options and enables us to live better. And that's why I think calling it financial life planning helps people to understand that what we do isn't just about looking at your money. It's looking at your whole life. This is really important. And I I think we might have talked about
0: this last time, Tina, that women do actually think about money differently, don't they? And we tend to focus much more on our goals and also link it to our values and using that as a starting point is so important and so much more relevant for women.
1: Yeah, and I'm hoping that this approach actually enables more women to be engaged with their money because it looks at the things that are important to them. And this isn't exclusive to women. This whole concept actually applies to humans. But it's a concept that brings people that may previously not have been that engaged with their relationship with money you know, into it again and excited about it and, and able to see the bigger picture. One of the things I've always said to people is that knowledge is power. And for some people, there are lots of emotions around money that they often try to avoid. And then that stops them being really clued up about what their own personal situation is. But that doesn't serve them. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter if it's not exactly what you'd like it to be now. Knowing what the situation is, understanding where you are right now is really empowering. And it helps you to move forward in a way that just avoiding the subject and not engaging with it doesn't. You work with
0: female clients. Do you see any differences in how women choose to manage and invest their money compared to men?
1: I don't work exclusively with female clients. I work with everybody, but I do see a difference. And I think a lot of it comes from our conditioning, actually. you know, Women have been conditioned to not take risk. And I know that's a generalization, but I definitely do see it. Women have been conditioned to not take risk right from the moment they are children, Throughout their growing up, they have been conditioned to not take risk, whereas men have been conditioned to do the opposite. And that actually doesn't serve men either, because we're looking at this based on gender rather than personality. You know, once women can understand and they're shown that risk is part of investing and risk is, you know, it can be a considered risk, then they become more comfortable with it. But until we can sit down and show women that, A lot of it is about education and understanding investing. They then feel more comfortable and they're able to take those steps that a fear of investing might have stopped them doing in the past. And I think the more
0: we as women talk about money and investing – it normalizes the topic, right? It's not as threatening. And the more we can share about how we invest and what we do with our money on a day-to-day basis, I think it's just then becomes part and parcel of what we do and how we live.
1: Absolutely. I think you used the word demystifying earlier. Mm. And that's so important because not just women, but people who choose not to take control of their financial situation, you know, there's often a fear around there and it feels mysterious. It feels like something big and new and only something that people with substantial wealth, you know, get involved in. So demystifying it by talking about it really does make a difference. And and women want to see role models. Mm. Women want to see other women taking the decisions that they can take. They want to see some good news stories. They even want to see some not so good news stories because everything is a learning point. So it's really important to have these conversations and be open about sharing our experiences because we all learn from them. Absolutely. And
0: learning, I think, is key. Now, I keep reading about the gender pension gap. It's a bit of a bugbear for me. We know women's pension on average is one fifth of a man's. We hear stories about divorced women who did not know about their partner's pension, that it was an asset that they could potentially negotiate as part of their divorce settlement. How should women think about their pension so that they've saved
1: enough for retirement? The gender pension gap, is a massive issue not just in this country in all countries and it arises from lots of reasons really if you think that there's still a massive gender pay gap that contributes to it in a massive way because what we see a lot is that employer contributions tend to be made employer pension contributions tend to be made as a percentage of your salary well, already, if there's a discrepancy in salaries between men and women, we're going to see a discrepancy in how much is accumulated in pensions for women. And that's probably the biggest contributor to this pension pay gap. But also, women often are the ones that take time out of work to raise a family, often defer to their partner really to manage the finances, and sometimes that means pension contributions don't go in their name. There's a plethora of reasons as to why this gender, Pension gap exists. And the only real way to start looking at it is to start chipping away at the reasons for it. We're probably quite a long way away from any sort of equalization in pay, but that's why we have to really focus on education and show women that investing in their pension is really, really important. You mentioned divorce there, Jana, and I sit down with so many women who look at the joint marital assets. And don't take his pension into account. And that's a massive problem. Sometimes, even when they do take it into account, they don't have a choice and they end up needing to take different assets like the home, for example. Particularly if there are children involved, it's much more beneficial for her at that moment to have the home and be able to provide that security for the family. But it's not beneficial for her in the long run because she will not have retirement income, and he will. And there needs to be some really good advice for women in that situation so that that is taken into account, but also that she really understands the consequences of doing that. And, of course, I appreciate that sometimes in those situations there isn't much choice, but being empowered to understand what the consequences are means she's in a better position to negotiate.
0: Yes, it's not at the most difficult time in your life that you're having to learn about money and how to manage it and think about, you know, your long-term financial future because you've essentially already done that learning and the the education piece and and setting that up beforehand.
1: Yeah, that's what we want to do, Jana. We really want women to engage with their financial situation well before they need to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think right from day one that there will be moments in their life where, you know, like a divorce or a bereavement or, you know, business problems or anything that arises, those are not the time to start learning about finances. Really good financial preparation and education will hold you in good stead when you do hit those times. You can acquire financial resilience well before you need it. It's a million times harder to acquire it when you're in the storm, when you're fighting that storm, when you're trying to control your emotions around so many issues in your life, the last thing you want at that point is also having to learn how to manage your finances. So the more women we can show and educate and and provide examples to of how to do that effectively before the time comes, the more women will be able to deal with those periods in a much better way. If nothing else, if not just to get some sort of fair financial outcome but emotionally so many people I see suffer unnecessarily through those periods because not knowing what's going on causes them a lot of emotional angst
0: and it doesn't need to be like that very true a very very important advice Tina now what do you think needs to change in the financial services industry so that it is more inclusive of women and so that women feel more welcome by the industry?
1: Well, I'm really pleased to say that things have changed a lot in the period that I've been a financial advisor and that's coming on to 24 years now. You know, I remember the days when I first started getting involved in this world, in this career, and I literally would be the only woman in a room full of men in suits. And it was just the norm, it was just how it was. And thankfully, that's not the situation now. You know, I go to events, I, I see situations where there are more women, much more women than there used to be, but we're nowhere near where we need to be here. And I think what we're seeing is a change in financial services and how careers are structured within it, and the more we start to see Flexibility, the more we start to see the sort of advisor that really does engage with a client and builds relationships with clients rather than focusing on the money and financial products, we're going to see that women are going to become more and more attracted to these roles and hopefully will come forward. At the moment, there's still a massive discrepancy in the types of roles that are available and the types of roles that welcome women to them. But we are seeing it changing. And my advice to any woman who is thinking about a career in financial services is to really do your research. There's so much information online now. Find the sorts of firms that you admire. Look for roles that you aspire to and contact those people. And don't be sucked into a role that doesn't match you and your personality and the way that you want to work. And often, if you really can't find something that fits in with the way that you want to work you could do what i did and just start your own firm there's no reason why you can't do that
0: yeah we love female entrepreneurs that's great advice and and what you say there tina it really comes down to values doesn't it your employer needs to share in your values and that needs to be reflected in obviously the work you do but also in how you work flexibility is so important for women especially if they're starting or they have a family i think so
1: and i think Consumers need more people that are relationship focused. It might be that they they are more women. It might be that because of the fact that women's personalities tend to exhibit a more relationship bias, we might find that having more women in the industry that work in that way actually attract more men to that way of working too. And that's what we need.
0: Now, a lot of people are feeling very uneasy about their money right now for obvious reasons. And women in particular have been hard hit during the pandemic. We know that on average, more women have had to reduce their hours or they've lost their job as they've struggled with childcare and homeschooling responsibilities. What would your advice be to women who are feeling very uncertain about their money right now? How should they think
1: about it? What are some of the things that they can do? It is a really difficult time right now, Jana. The first thing really I would suggest is just to, to have a good look at your situation. There's always a pressure on women to be able to manage everything and to have enough. And when we start having these sorts of conversations about encouraging women to invest, and get involved in investing, and planning for their future, and their pension and their retirement. Sometimes in periods like this where it's really difficult, that can sound like a pressure. And my advice to those women who are struggling right now is to just focus on damage limitation. Just focus on getting through this period. This is not the time to be stressing yourself out because you're not making pension contributions or you're not investing for the future. For many women, just getting through the month right now is a pretty big achievement. And focusing on that is really important. Now, you might be one of the people that have reduced income right now. This is an opportunity to look at what have you got coming in? What have you got going out? What sort of adjustments can you make to make it all fit? Because that's what you need to do each month. Make sure that you've got enough coming in to pay what needs to go out. And if that's all you can do right now, then that's where you should focus your attention. There will come a time where you can do more. But for now, getting through this period is an achievement enough. And and please, anyone listening to this, don't feel pressured that you have to do more. Doing what you can to get through this is the most important thing right now. Get to know exactly where you're at. When things are tough, it's scary. It's scary to look at, your bank statements. It's scary to look at your situation. But remember, knowledge is power. Knowing where you're at means that you know where your starting point is. You know what you can do. You know what sort of things you might need to do to move forward. And if moving forward is inaccessible right now, then at least staying still might be a good achievement. Be aware of exactly what your situation is, however scary it might be to have a look at it right now. Tina, I'm going to switch gears
0: a little bit and I'm going to turn the spotlight on you. Um, (laughs) And I'm very curious to know what you're excited about in terms of investing in 2020 and how you personally invest your money. I ask all of my guests these questions. It helps, obviously, with the dialogue, the conversations that we're having now about women talking money. So I'd love for you to share what you're excited about and how you
1: personally invest? I'm going to be really boring and say, I don't get excited about investing money. The investments that I make are to help me live the life that I want to live. I am not into fancy, alternative, new things to investing, new shiny things to invest in. Really, knowing what I know, knowing the research that I've done around investing, I know that the way to achieve long-term returns is to invest in a globally diversified portfolio. That just means putting a little bit of money into lots of different things, rather than chasing the latest exciting thing that everyone's doing. Instead, we're looking at what's always worked in the past and what the evidence shows us is likely to work in the future. So there's nothing really exciting about the way I invest. What I focus instead on is how much can I put away For the long term, without needing access to it. That's the money that's for my future for financial planning. And the only real way I think to achieve what you deserve, and that's the returns that you get from investing in the stock market, is to put it somewhere that invests in lots of different pots, if you like, and leave it there. Leave it there for the long term. You don't want to focus on one area in particular. If you search online, you can find ways of doing this cheaply. So you don't have to have lots of money to be able to do this. And often starting small is really important. Something is better than nothing. And finding a way to just put a little bit aside each month in something that isn't just one thing. you know, A globally diversified portfolio. If you don't remember anything else from this conversation today, remember that search out a globally diversified portfolio and put as much as you can in it and leave it there don't play with it don't change it around don't access it put your money in there leave it there forget about it until the time that you need it invest and forget yes (laughs) is
0: there a female investor that you admire
1: that question makes me a little bit sad to be honest because I can't think of any. And that is really sad because if you think that I'm in this world and I, you know, all the people around me, yeah, there's some great female financial planners and I admire them. But actually, people outside of my world, how many people do we see that are promoted, that are role models? And there's just not enough of them. So it's made me really focus on searching these women out and maybe highlighting them so that other women can see that there are people that they can follow.
0: Would you advise women who are keen to engage around their money and investing, but are short on time, especially now with so much going on?
1: The truth is money has to be a priority. So you have to make a little bit of time. And of course, I understand that that's not always easy right now. So look at ways of trying to automate managing your money. That might mean, for example, Looking at how you allocate your money on a monthly basis. Some people call that budgeting. I call it money allocation, choosing how you allocate what comes in each month and then automating it. So it happens each month without you having to worry about it. Sometimes that involves setting up different bank accounts to deal with different issues. Sometimes that means setting up direct debits or things that happen without you having to think about them. It's not about spending a lot of time. It's about doing things that make sure the job gets done and it means automation, then that's absolutely no problem. And start to be interested in what it means to understand your mind. If you can do something that means that you can see progress, that's encouraging and then it makes you want to do it a little bit more. Sometimes it means having to do the things that are uncomfortable first. Do them, get them out of the way. Automate the system and then monitor it on a basis that doesn't need to be every day. Even if you said just once a month, I'm going to see exactly what my situation is. I worked it out last month. I knew that my net worth was X. This month, it's Y. That's fantastic. And the same goes for your expenditure. If you can look at your expenditure and see areas where you can really make a difference, because one of the things we can look at is changing your income. Sometimes that's not possible. What can you do to change your expenditure? Where might you be leaking money? What sort of things? You know, I saw a client recently and she'd been paying subscriptions for a whole bunch of apps that she didn't even use anymore. And that was an easy win. Mm. And suddenly there's a little bit of extra money there to put towards your future.
0: Well, exactly. You might suddenly find that by closing off your X number of subscriptions, you've got an extra £100 a month, and that's money that you can be putting into your pension, or you set up your investment account, and and
1: away you go. Yeah, absolutely. And every little bit does make a difference. Mm. I think a lot of people feel pressure to making large contributions to investments, and and they put it off. When I can afford to pay £100 a month, whatever, then I'll start it. Don't wait. Just start with whatever you can afford now and change it as you go along. Love that advice, Tina.
0: Now, for women who want to engage and want to connect with a financial planner and or an advisor,
1: where should they start, Tina? It's really important that they find someone that they're aligned with. There are all sorts of people out there advising people on their money. And you do have to find someone that you really get on with. Trust is really important, but an alignment of personalities is important too. If you're looking for someone that you can build a relationship with, make sure you find someone that is that way inclined. And not all financial advisors are. Many of them still just advise people on their money. And there's a disconnect there between life and money. Decide what sort of advisor you would like, what sort of help that you would like, and when you start your search, make sure that the person that you find is specialised in those areas. Ask who else they've helped. Ask them the sort of work that they've been doing. And make sure that they fit in around you rather than you having to fit in with the way that they work. One thing particularly for women to bear in mind is that when you engage a financial planner or anyone who's going to help you around your money, You are paying them. They are providing you with a service. Therefore, you have the right to ask whatever question you want. And if for whatever reason that doesn't work out the way it should, then that's not the right person that you've connected with. And there are other people who would be really happy for you to ask all the questions that you need to ask.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well said. I think if the person that you're seeking advice from, A, doesn't make you feel comfortable, cannot speak your language because they simply do not know how to connect with you, then they're not going to be able to provide the service that you need
1: because you can't actually have a conversation that's going to be meaningful. Absolutely. And do not feel that if that happens, that that's what all financial planners are like. It's so easy to think that and then be put off. It just means that that person wasn't right for you. And there are lots of other financial planners out there that might be right for you. There will be someone that is the perfect fit and it just takes a little bit of looking initially.
0: Yes, and it's having the faith that that you will find the right person, Tina, as you say. And luckily, there are more and more female advisors out there, female financial planners as well, which makes a difference. So all of that should help. And I think it's important to be patient in order to find the right person that you can connect with.
1: Absolutely. And in the meantime, don't wait. Start getting to grips with where you're at. Have the courage to look at your bank statements, look at your current situation, what you might have in place, how you manage your money and start asking yourself questions about little steps that you can start to take now to make a difference to yourself.
0: Tina, that's awesome. This has been so much fun. You've provided so many nuggets, so many pearls of wisdom. So I want to thank you, Tina. Uh, This has been really, really great.
1: Oh, thank you so much
0: for having me, Yana. Thank you for joining me today. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me online at Join the Purse or you can subscribe to our newsletter, jointhepurse.substack.com. Until next time, goodbye.